This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett, representing Transition, Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing this evening? You know, I'm doing okay. I'm actually quite happy to be here, not buried in plaster and flu. Well, that's always always a positive, Nicole. You know, you take that while you can, it's but it's, been, it's, it's been, been a week. going around. Well, it's been a week. At my house, we were getting our entire inside of our house repainted. So that means the entire house is being sanded and painted and all at once while I have three kids in the house, one of which is recovering from the flu. So it's been quite a wild time. Yeah, I bet that sounds like <laughs> it's it been exciting. Would, uh, it's been special. Keep you on your toes, and you're probably happy to maybe be here in the studio for a while. I am. You know, my middle one. He's funny. He's the the, the term is when you're kind of cranky, you're salty. And I guess one day I was being a little bit salty, and he took it to another level. He was acting like he was sprinkling salt instead of saying I was salty. And then I got really salty, and then he acted like he was banging the salt <laughs> out of the shaker. I'm like, am I being that salty? <laughs> he said, Yes, you are, Mom. <laughs> well, it happens from time. Time, it but does. I could imagine in that situation, most people would get maybe a little bit grumpy. Well, Nicole, let's get to the topic at hand tonight. We've got two great guests here in the studio, and I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, so we're super excited today. We're going to be uh, talking about a wonderful resource that some folks listening may not be aware of. It is the Triangle Radio Reading Service, and we have with us today May Tran, the Executive Director, and George Douglas, who is the President of the Board, and we're going to be talking about the amazing services that they have in the community and how folks can access that. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. So George, talk to us a little bit about the Triangle Reading uh, Radio Reading Service and how that works. Well, the Triangle Radio Reading Service, uh, Nicole, has been around for a long time, and uh, we actually started in 1983. Wow. And uh, what, what we do is primarily we are a reading service for people who are blind or visually impaired. And uh, uh, we we are really a radio station, pretty much like the station we're on right uh-huh. now. We operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, with uh, both live and pre-recorded programming. And uh, and w- what we do is we really help people who are having uh, vision problems. We help them access material that mm-hmm. that they have difficulty accessing. The 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 original purpose of the reading service, going back to the very beginning, was essentially to read the morning newspaper or the huh. daily newspaper to people that that couldn't uh, couldn't read the paper anymore. It was as simple as that, mm-hmm. and uh, that was all done live. All the programming was done live early on. And during the years, we have expanded the programming to include uh, pre-recording of uh, lots of different uh, different kinds of magazines. Um, you know, I'll have uh, May talk about uh, some of those, uh, specifically some of the other programs. And we do other programs, too, that relate to um, people who are getting older and uh, losing their vision. Uh, we do programs on the subject of education, uh, for educational opportunities for people that are losing their vision. Legal matters, for example. One of the folks on the board is a lawyer, mm-hmm. and uh, he does a, a regular program about legal issues that are of concern to people with uh, vision problems. So uh, we are a radio station. We are accessed by 
using, uh, well, several different ways. One, <laughs> by using a special radio. Okay. I was uh, wondering, kind of how do people yeah, get access yeah, no, to that's this? That's because you don't just tune in So to, I can't just dial into, you know, 680 no, WPTF no, and not, there it is. It's not just like WPTF, right. but we, we actually operate on, uh, well, it's called a subcarrier or whatever, of uh, the public radio station in town, okay. WNC 91.5. We're on a subcarrier. And so what that means is that, uh, that we broadcast uh, using their frequency on a special radio okay. that people get from us. Okay. And, uh, and if they have vision problems and they qualify, they can get that radio and there's no cost uh, oh, to them either. This, we're a nonprofit uh, organization and we provide these uh, radios at, uh, at, at no charge. Interesting. So uh, we also, uh, for the past few years, we've been available on the Internet as well at okay. uh, TriangleReadingService.org. People can go in there, click Listen Now, and hear uh, the station much like they can with uh, WPTF as well or any other radio station. Do you happen to have an app as well if folks wanted to do that? Or does, can people, yes. They can yes, we do. There's, a, there's an app available, and uh, just recently – uh, it was uh, set up that if you have the uh, Echo Dot or one of those uh, Amazon things, you can just say, um, Alexa, play the Triangle Radio <laughs> Reading Service, and it'll pop on just like that. This is spooky stuff, I tell you. <laughs> it is, yeah. I don't know. So probably if anybody has one of those things in their room and I said Alexa, it probably activates. <laughs> and that's why I like to do that. So now you get to try it. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of fun. You're going to so. see a nice little spike in numbers of, yeah. of people using but your service. We've been So we've been around for 35, 36 years now, but uh, a lot of people – when they hear about the service, say, boy, that is such a good idea. I've never heard of that before. And that's one of, you know, one of our challenges. And mm-hmm. that's one of, the, one of the reasons we appreciate being on Aging Matters yeah. because it's such a great program to create awareness uh, for us. You know, and we're, we're well aware, you know, one of the biggest issues that older adults have is feeling isolated and disconnected. So I think that this type of a service can really help people kind of keep up what's going on out in the community and, and really get reconnected with the things that matter most to them. So talk to us a little bit about kind of the reaction that you've gotten over the years from folks who have accessed your service. Actually, when we um, one program that I like to mention is that we read the grocery ads too, and oh. then uh, remember Kroger yeah. store right across from our office. And I went there, and then I saw one of our listeners with her assistant had iPhone had an iPhone, and they were listening to our grocery ads on an iPhone, huh. telling them that what it is that on sale. So that was cool. I thought that was yeah. a cool thing, you know, because that's when the iPad. Uh, podcast broadcast readily available after the podcast and then they can download that on a an iPhone and so that's what um, one of the stories I love to share just like the grocery ads and drug and department store ads and we have all sort of different programs original programs just like H matters here mm-hmm. we have interview programs uh, legal matters like George mentioned and then tech tips where we give um, information to the blind and print impaired, uh, what devices that's on the market and what to use and not to use to help them uh, get access uh, to um, information and entertainment via um, tech, you know, latest audio technology and things like that. So, so I, I understand that you also have a number of magazine-type readings. Yeah. And- mm-hmm. We read um, Smith, Smithsonian Magazine. We read... 
Time magazine. We read Iowa State magazine, Vanity Fair, <laughs> Glamour, uh, Housekeeping, all sort of magazines. And then we also have programs such as Religion in the News, mm-hmm. where we um, discuss different v- variety of de- denominations, not only one particular religion. And then we also read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so that's set us different from the... Uh, mainstream media. So I guess one of the questions that I have about this type of a service has to do with, um, you know, kind of like the future of technology. How is it that, um, do you you see something going along the lines of where you may have like a menu of different types of programs where perhaps, you know, down the road, you know, if I was somebody who was really loved Vanity Fair magazine and I was vision impaired, I could kind of go on demand and just kind of pick and choose all the magazines I want. Are are you at that point now? We are at that point right now. After the broadcast, the podcast is readily available. Mm-hmm. On a, you know, so people can just go on a website and download that um, podcast, and they can listen it on their iPhone, or they want to use it on iPhone, they can easily access that too. Yeah. So we have all the majority of our program are broadcast and read, readily available as a podcast. So, Great. Yeah. Say the uh, we mentioned that the newspapers were mm-hmm. started out as as the mainstream of what we were what we were doing, and that is. Uh, that's still true today, and just to be specific about it, from 9.30 to 11.30, every weekday morning, we have two volunteers that read the News and Observer. Wow. And uh, then in that evening, from 7 to 8.30, we have two volunteers that read USA Today. And uh, I think these are, you know, and, and, and by the way, as, as May said, after these programs have been on live, then they're available on demand as a podcast as well. The podcasts are uh, extremely important to us, and we, we get a lot of people that tune into the, the podcast. We've started doing a few things that um, actually for the convenience of our listeners uh, that are not even broadcast. One of them is a, there's a, a program that I do that has to do with the um, North Carolina Symphony. We read the symphony notes from the program uh, before every one of the classical concerts, and that's an example of that. Well, we're going to talk more about some of the services available through the Triangle Radio Reading Service. We've got George Douglas in the studio and May Tran as well, and we'll continue our conversation with them right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to Transitions Life Care. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. We have two wonderful guests here in the studio. They are with the Triangle Radio Reading Service. We have May Tran, who's the executive director, and George Douglas, who's the president of the board. And uh, some of you may recognize George because uh, you've 
sort of had a, a small tenure here with uh, Curtis Media Group, and you've been on the air, and uh, might may recognize you from a couple commercials, right, George? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you here in Thank the studio. You. It's nice George. to be here, Jason. Absolutely. And Nicole, I know we have uh, another segment here with we George do. and May, and we've got more questions because it's uh, it's an interesting service that we've learned about, but I'm sure that there's uh, uh, always some needs when it comes to an interesting service like well, this. Well, first of all, I'd like to know, this sounds great. How do I get a radio? <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the, all you have to do is call the Triangle Radio Reading Service. You can go online and, uh, and contact us that way as well. And uh, there is, uh, we have a form that you fill out that uh, it says that you, you are uh, you know, blind or visually impaired, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And uh, so you essentially apply for it. And then, uh, assuming that you're approved, and you certainly would be, uh-huh. uh, if you uh, qualify, then uh, we'll get the radio to you. We'll either ship it or deliver it uh, by hand. And so, you know, as you know, the WPTF radio station is a huge station, a 50,000-watt station, if I'm correct, Jason. That's yes, correct. Yes, I'm not misspeaking. Yeah. Uh, so what is the exact reach of this station that you guys are uh, reading with? Well, we, uh, we operate, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we operate over the uh, – public radio station here so our coverage area can be as as large as that of WUNC the public radio station okay. in the area but uh, more and more people listen to us on the internet right. uh, frankly than than any place else okay. these days and also we are actually kind of a network uh, for North Carolina we also provide programming to um, uh, the uh, Greensboro, Winston-Salem area to Rocky Mount to Fayetteville, New Bern, Wilmington, and some other areas here. We're kind of a network, and in some cases, they have local readers that will read their local uh, newspapers. Okay. Uh, we actually, just within the last year, have kind of taken over responsibility for the Greenville, New Bern area, and we actually read those newspapers uh, as well for people in that area. But one of, the, one of the ways that we're reaching a lot of people these days is through uh, kind of closed-circuit radio in senior centers, uh-huh. assisted living facilities, and that type of thing all over the Triangle area. And this is happening in other parts of the states as well. But uh, we can work with a particular uh, facility and uh, pr- make sure that we get the signal into their building and then they put it on their television system. They have a closed-circuit yep. television system. So you can go in and tune to Channel 5 or Channel 23 or whatever sure. the case may be on their system, and you can hear our signal 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It so, seems like something the hospitals could potentially be invo- interested in as well. You know, you sit there all day long and, you know, no offense, everybody loves Pat Sajak, but, you know, do. <laughs> <laughs> it could but, be. But, yeah. but, you know, Wheel of Fortune gets old after a while. It might be something a little more interesting to listen to while you're sitting in the hospital, right. too. Something to think about. So I think, I, I think it's, you know, we're, we're informational, mm-hmm. Nicole. But uh, we we have a, a large group of volunteers that do the reading. I'm going to have I'd like to have May talk a little bit about that. But what we really do is we provide company for people. Sure. And we're not uh, we're not professional broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are like your you know your sister or brother uh-huh. or mother or father who come in and read to you essentially. Right. And, right. Uh, and we have regular volunteers that come in. 
you know, every week, and so they become familiar voices. One person, sure. two people are there it's every like Wednesday. It's like a friend. It's exactly. Yep. So, and maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit more about the volunteer. Yeah, I, I can well imagine that you have this huge need for volunteers, number one. And number two, I can imagine you have a lot of volunteers to do this because it, yeah, it's no have, small feat. Yeah, we have 150 volunteers. Uh, not all of them are readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some on our gala committee, some on technical committees, and endowment committee and things like that but we have six live readers each day monday to sunday and then um we have uh, pre-recorded shows that come in and pre-record um magazines and books and uh things like that and then we have volunteers that's mainly just come in and just do office work sure yeah so it's very important that we have all these volunteers engaged and active with us. And so we're very lucky that we don't have to go out and recruit volunteers, volunteers that come to us. That's right. But I'm sure you won't complain if somebody hears the show today and wants to volunteer. I'm sure you can always use more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So how are you funded? Um, We are very fortunate that um, we get funded from corporations, um, faith communities, uh, civic clubs, uh, and individuals, we don't, we get no funding from the government at all, the Fed, state, or counties. So mostly funding from individuals and corporate, like I said, mm-hmm. and volunteers. You know, and we have wonderful volunteers who are not only giving us their time but also financials too. So what else should we know about your service? Well, the main thing that we're trying to get across here is creating awareness of the services. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, some people say they didn't know that we existed. And that's our that's our ongoing challenge is just to create awareness. So anybody who's listening that uh, either has vision problems themselves or has a, a parent or a brother or a sister who is having vision problems and can't read the newspaper or can't read books like they used to, you can, you can get books on tape, but it's hard to find the daily newspaper right. on tape. Of right. course, it's just not available. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, tell them about it because we find that, uh, that getting the radio or, ju- or listening online, which many people do, as, as we've talked about these days, uh, can really make a difference in people's lives. I, I had an opportunity to de- deliver a radio to uh, someone recently. It was a, a young man in his 40s who had just gone blind. Mm. Uh, totally blind, and his favorite thing to do every day had been to read the News and Observer and USA Today. And when I delivered the radio and I was talking with him and I said to him, you know, we read the News and Observer in the morning and we read USA Today every evening, he was absolutely thrilled because that was something he used to do, but mm-hmm. he couldn't do anymore. So we and it we gives help sense, people. It gives independence. Yeah, it gives you independence, mm-hmm. and and it's a way to to when you lose your vision to adapt to doing the kinds of things you've always done. Mm-hmm. We we make that we make that possible. And if I may, not that I'm at all suggesting you change your mission and vision, but um, no pun intended there. But um, you know, the I, I would suspect that there would be a lot of different types of people besides the visually impaired that would want to access this type of service. You know, I just think a lot of older adults would find it very valuable or even not even older adults, frankly, if you, since it's so readily available online or through an app. I mean, even while people are driving, they don't have the time to read the paper in the morning. You know, yeah. why not listen to it online? Right, Just like our mission, we, we are connecting people who are blind and print impaired, print impaired, meaning that you don't have to be blind or you, you can be illiterate. And, right, and then you, if you have a stroke or ALS, you can no longer hold the printed material, yeah. or even then, a cognitive yeah. impairment. Right, yeah, 
So. And one of the one of the other things we're doing. And this is only kind of tangential to our our overall purpose, but we uh, we actually work with the Governor Moorhead School for the Blind here in Raleigh, mm-hmm. and we we participate with them. We have an accredited course for young people in high school, essentially, who want to get into radio or doing podcasting and that type of thing. They take our course and they actually get credit for it. And uh, one of the things that they're doing and, and we're helping them with is developing podcasts for younger people mm-hmm. who are blind and visually impaired. And more of, relevant of, to them. Right. Yep. And there, there are thousands and thousands of, of children in the school systems that are blind and visually impaired. And uh, so that's, a, that's an area that we're just starting to develop, and it's, it's becoming very popular. Well, and I certainly applaud you in trying to get the younger generations interested in things where, um, you know, we focus on people with different ability levels, because that's one of our biggest challenges is how do we attract young professionals or college students or even starting at high school age to ever want to work with older adults or people with disabilities. And so I think that's wonderful that you're working with the school systems already to try to get people on fire or passion in their belly to work with people that have some needs so i congratulate you on that i think that's great you know we think that the the market for essentially for what we're doing is is growing exponentially Mm -hmm. all the time as we know the whole population with baby boomers Mm -hmm. is getting older and older and uh exactly Mm -hmm. and and uh, as you get older you tend to your vision tends to fade a bit Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, so we're really interested in getting this information out because we think there are going to be more and more people in the future that are interested in the service even than there has been in the past. Awesome. George and May, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you uh, online or by phone? What's the best method? You can con if you're interested in having a signal in the retirement home um, call Janet Schauschenbach her number is 919-832-5138. And if you're interested in listening to Triangle Radio Reading Service, also call the same number, 919-832-5138, or go online, www.triangleReadingService.org. Excellent. Again, the website, www.triangleReadingService.org. It's a nice website. Everything's all laid out. Nice navigation there at the top if you want to check out some of the programs or podcasts or figure out how to get the signal. All that information is available there. You can also call 919-832-5138. 919-832-5138. May Tran and George Douglas, thank you both so much for coming in this evening. Thank, Thank you, Jason. You. Thank, Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. you, Nicole. Back with more Aging Matters right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I am Jason Kong. She is Nicole Cleggett. <laughs> and Nicole, we've got a, a friend of the program here. It, it takes a lot to get to friend of the program you status, know? but if anyone has reached that, it is Peggy Best with the Alzheimer's she Association. She should start to get a paycheck, I think. I mean, oh, probably as big as mine, well. because okay. you know. I could, we can work that out. You I think scared I have, me for a second. I have volunteer status. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome so much, Peggy. It's so good to have you here today. Thank you, Nicole. 
and you are the director of programs, programs for the uh, Alzheimer's Association mm-hmm. Eastern North Carolina chapter and they have an amazing program coming up that we definitely wanted to give some time to today I had the pleasure of being there last year it is the accelerating the pace um, and it is a research symposium and they are putting that on this April it, we are. We are. It's our annual research symposium that we do every year to kind of highlight what's being done in re- Alzheimer's research globally, but also in our own backyard. And it is going to be on? April the 26th on Friday, and it's a full day conference. That's awesome. I am super excited. And you're going to be having that again at 111 Place in Cary? Correct. Correct. So talk to us a little bit about kind of how that pace has accelerated this year. Tell us a little bit about some of the speakers that you're going to have, the content we might expect. Sure. Um, We're excited to have Dr. Heather Snyder, who is our um, scientific director of MedSci Operations and at our home office in Chicago that's actually coming down to talk about Alzheimer's research from the global perspective. But we're also excited to have Dr. Baker from Wake Forest, School of Medicine, who's coming. She is one of the lead investigators for the first time the Alzheimer's Association is funding our own research, which is called the U.S. Pointer Study. I've heard of this. It is, and we're excited about looking at but what are some things that people might be able to do to reduce the risk of developing Alzheimer's? And it's kind of like a four-pronged approach by looking at diet and exercise and cognitive engagement and social engagement to see if any of those things can help reduce the risk, predominantly more so in persons who may be just experiencing mild cognitive impairment. Oh, wow. So if you're starting to see some of those early signs, if you implement some things, we're hoping to see that perhaps you could have a slowing down of the symptoms, correct? Is that, what we're, is that what we're hoping to find out? We're hoping to find out. It's a two-year clinical trial, and it's going to test whether lifestyle interventions can protect cognitive function in older adults. It is the first large-scale study to examine the impact of a multidimensional lifestyle interventions on older adults living in this country. Well, you know, I'd have to say, um, anecdotally, I guess, would be a good way of putting it, working in long-term care and community-based organizations for years, but starting my career off working specifically with individuals with Alzheimer's or related dementia, I will tell you that there were a tremendous number of people that when they would get admitted from living independently at Mm -hmm. home into the long-term care community, suddenly seemed to get so much better. I mean, they had proper nutrition. Exactly. They had socialization. They mm-hmm. had exercise. They had stimulation. I mean, at first, obviously, there was a stress point of moving, but families would just remark and just be so surprised at how much better their loved ones seemed. And it not necessarily saying what I saw lasted forever, but there definitely was a bump because we would do um, some of the cognitive testing, the mm-hmm. simple t- cognitive exams, and upon admission, and then even three, six months later, sometimes the scores would get better. And exactly. it, we would always think, well, isn't this interesting? And it makes sense. So I'm really excited to hear that you all are trying to do a study to kind of prove some of those things. And we're excited about that, too. I mean, one of the tenants that we stand on is a healthy Uh, A healthy heart and a healthy body equals a healthy brain. And that's standard across for most people, whether you have Alzheimer's or dementia, we're all encouraged to live more healthy lifestyles. Definitely, definitely. So talk to us about what else you're going to be doing that day. (laughs) 
Well, we have three researchers, two from UNC Chapel Hill and one from Duke. There were actually 2018 recipients of Alzheimer's Association research grants. Wait, you're going to let UNC and Duke in the same room together? This <laughs> yes. is going to be a house divided. <laughs> There's no excluding shoe. No. Under the auspice <laughs> of research, we will go there. <laughs> uh, but we're excited to have them come and talk about their cutting-edge um, research that they're doing. Uh, we also have um, Dr. Peggy Dilworth Anderson, who is uh, going to be the moderator. She's with the Public Health Department at UNC Chapel Hill and is one of our longtime board members. So we're excited to have her do that. So it's a full day of understanding what's, again, not being done just globally, but what's being done in our own backyard. Because a lot of people don't realize sometimes how much research is ongoing, not only in Alzheimer's, but in other types of dementia. And I think people are really passionate about uh, working and giving to the Alzheimer's Association because people are just frankly angry that this disease is here. You know, we've made so many positive inroads for, you know, the big scary cancer world. You know, sometimes people can live chronically with that or you can be cured for that. But with Alzheimer's and dementia, it's just so scary because what can we do? So I'm really glad to see that, you know, more time and attention and donor dollars are going towards Mm -hmm. this effort because, you know, what is it? One in two people out of over the age of 85 have some sort of a cognitive impairment. And that's, that's a big number, especially as we're living longer in an inner changing all of our parts so that sure. we can live longer but we're not able to do a brain transplant yet exactly. maybe they might be doing that in some scary lab somewhere i bet but nothing exactly. that we know about <laughs> <laughs> awesome so what else well uh, you know one of the things that i would like to piggyback on on what you're saying is the one reason that we advocate so much for early detection in order to find something that's going to cure prevent or possibly slow the progression the earlier that people can go see uh, and be evaluated by their medical professional uh, about mild cognitive impairment is to rule out whether it's anything else. It may not be a dementia. Right. Something reversible. Exactly. Something like depression, mm-hmm. malnutrition, exactly. isolation. I mean, all, a lot. you know, our previous uh, uh, people that were in and we were talking about vision impairment or hearing mm-hmm. loss. I mean, mm-hmm. all these things. You miss a lot of the conversation if you can't hear what's going on. Exactly. So that's why we're just huge advocates to talk to people and just ask them, you know, if you think you might be interested, you know, there are clinical trials that you can look to see whether or not there's any available in our area. You know, we have our trial match system at the Alzheimer's Association that pairs people through uh, them completing an uh, online or talking to them about a profile, and it will just link them to see if there is an ongoing research trial, because we're not going to find anything to cure it or prevent it or slow it down unless we have people that are willing to step up and say, let me help. You know, and I love this this uh, conference or symposium, whatever you'd like to call it, because it really does complement the work that we do with the Area Caregiver Summits, which we also partner with the Alzheimer's Association on. But you know, sometimes people just really want to understand what the research is and what people are seeing. And so this is definitely a higher level up type of, uh, of, a, of a meeting where folks can really have access to some of these tough uh, to some of these top researchers and ask some of those tough questions about what does this mean for my mom? What does this mean for me? I remember last year some kind of ethical type dilemma questions came up where people were wondering about genetic testing and Mm -hmm. should I do it or shouldn't I do it and why do some places do it and why they don't. So I just think it's wonderful because we are so rich in resources in this area for you all to bring this forward and provide this for the community. So is there a cost for folks to attend? It's uh, $65 if you're a healthcare professional 
professional looking for continuing ed or contact hours, okay. and it's $25 for uh, community members. Okay. Um, and I did want to highlight, too, that we have Dr. Wong, who works in the brain donation at Duke. Okay. He's going to actually come in and talk about what brain donation, how that's used in research. I don't think that they're open right now accepting more brain donations, but uh, one of the things that we have found from calls that we received is exactly what happens when someone's brain is donated for research mm-hmm. and how does that help. It's not sitting on a professor's desk exactly. somewhere. I mean, you have kind of these creepy visions. So if people want more information, how do they go ahead and register? Um, our registration opens on March the 1st, and they can visit our website at ALZ. Uh, dot org forward slash nc and we'll have a banner there where they can actually click on and go ahead and register it was the that was easy button yes awesome it it is again that website alz.org forward slash nc peggy best director of programs and outreach with the alzheimer's association eastern north carolina chapter thank you as always for coming in thank you so much jason thank you nicole you're welcome A quick break and back, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we are uh, uh, all over the place this evening. We've got just a, <laughs> a, a revolving door of guests, which I always like. It always makes the program fun and exciting. And we're going to dive into a whole other topic here, and that surrounds elder law. Yeah, I'm really excited about this uh, topic. Um, so we have today with us uh, Douglas Koenig, and he is with the law offices of Douglas E. Koenig, and he's going to be talking to us about digital assets. Right, that's right. So <laughs> what is that exactly? I have an idea of what it might be, but I'm not really sure. Well, digital assets are, are assets that you control that are non-tangible. So typically in estate planning, and my practice is estate planning oriented at elder law, and um, my particular client base is oriented around people with dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, But, uh, you know, when you do standard estate planning, you're transferring assets such as houses or cars or cash. But recently, there's more and more of what I call digital assets. And the digital assets I group into three categories. Mm -hmm. They are the passwords and other information oh, that gosh. you that you might have. Oh yes, that's a big and, one. <laughs> yeah, and and that could be for banking accounts, uh, social media, airline miles, all kinds of places where you have an account. A second area is social media, mm-hmm. so your Facebook accounts, um, Twitter, email, even uh, are all social media oriented. And the third general area is a relatively new topic, which uh, people refer to as digital currency or cryptocurrency. And that is stuff like Bitcoin hmm. and uh, Ethereum and all of the other things that are not tangible. So when I do estate planning and talk about cars and houses, that's easy. But people don't often think about the digital aspect of what they own. 
Yeah, it's very interesting because not too long ago, I redid my um, will and whatnot. And one of the questions was, who do you want to name to take care of your Facebook account? Mm -hmm. Or do you want it just to go away? And actually, Facebook now asks you, you know, I don't remember exactly the wording, but you can actually like tag a friend if you were to pass away to give access to handling it. Right, right. And that's a relatively new development. Yeah. About 25 years ago, my son's best friend was killed in a car accident in high school. And he had an account on what used to be MySpace. I remember MySpace, yeah. And so for there was no mechanism to turn MySpace off. Mm-hmm. So for 15 years or so, we were reminded every birthday yeah. that it's this poor kid's birthday. And he had been deceased for years. And so that's very troubling, you know, to the family. And so, so now there are more and more opportunities to turn that stuff off. But having a digital executor named is a great feature, and that's one of the things we can do. So and a it, digital executor is different than your regular executor? Yeah, it, oh. it can be. Okay. Uh, can be the same person. Okay. And in my wills and in powers of attorney, we have the person's named for that, and often they're the same person. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, you may have a person who's particularly skilled in your family at managing, you know, the computers and all mm-hmm. the various accounts, and you want to name that person to be the executor. Uh, it's not the same for cryptocurrency, however. In the, in, the, in the currency world, you may want to name multiple people because one of the aspects of digital currencies is that they are very secretive and protected, and people buy them because, partly because they're investing in speculative type right. of investments, but, but many people also buy Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in order to protect themselves from what they perceive as uh, irregularities in the currency market and maybe the instability of the U.S. dollar. So they feel like these currencies may may be stronger and more stable. However, they have to be secured and people store them on little USB-like things that are called digital hardware wallets. Oh, geez. If you were to lose the password to that, that money is completely locked up. Wow. And there's no way to get back to it. Ever. Ever. There's a story going around, which may or may not be true. It's an urban legend, right? <laughs> yeah, of a, uh, of a currency exchange, which has lost over $300 million of client funds because the director was, uh, was protecting his client's assets on his currency exchange by investing those assets in other currency exchanges around the world. So diversifying basically the holdings. The problem is... He knew he was the only one who knew the password to all those other accounts. He died unexpectedly. And this is where the part may be rumor. He may or may not have died. It may be more a Ponzi scheme than <laughs> <Yeah>. actual investment. <laughs> uh, but if, if it's true, he died with the password locked up. All that money is gone. The clients can never retrieve it. And in order to prevent that, we have a process in our office that goes through planning for for cryptocurrencies. So I guess a question that I have that just sort of rings right away Mm -hmm. is if I named a digital executor, um, the power of that document, could I I bring that to Facebook or Instagram or show that to them? Would they give me access to somebody's account? How would that work? Yes, that's how it works. Is that exactly how it works? Because yep. you have a, you can't even call those places. Like you have no, to, I, I mean, so it's like, how do you even get that to them? Right, right. That's <laughs> that's a great question because it it is a little confusing to reach out to places that don't have people phone answering numbers. the phones. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, but there are there are website links on on many of the social media mm-hmm. sites. I also have a I, a partnership with. Uh, Directive communication services, mm-hmm. and so uh, people who do their 
planning through me can have access to that um, that company, which provides uh, basically when you're deceased, it it uh, submits all that information to all those sites correctly, so that they know not only what the disposition of the site is supposed to be, but who is supposed to take care of it. Mm. And that can be really helpful. Um, it's also helpful in kind of a sometimes in a more um, private way is that sometimes people have accounts they don't want their family to know about. Right. I'll leave that all to your imagination. <laughs> uh, but but those Seriously, sites can yeah. be protected through this means too. So would something like this also work in your example of the Bitcoin if you didn't know the password? Could you get access or is that really something you need to make sure you've written down somewhere and someone gets locked you need, away and you need to have a plan because okay. they can notify of your death and mm -hmm. what who the executor is but the executor still has to be able to access those passwords okay so still so yeah. without the password you're in trouble exactly yeah scary stuff it is scary doug if this digital executor concept if let's say i've had my will and everything written 15, 20 years ago before this was probably even a concept. <laughs> yeah. can, can someone take that and say, hey, I'm, I'm the executor, but not necessarily the digital executor and still, you know, get access to an online bank account or something like that? Well, it, it actually, uh, yes and no. So it depends somewhat on the company that you're working with. But generally, I would answer that to be no, uh, that that an older will that doesn't specifically name a a person to manage digital assets wouldn't automatically get that access. So for about the last five years or so, all my wills and powers of attorney have included that provision. Um, mo more recently, North Carolina adopted the uniform laws for uh, power of attorney, and which are uniform laws countrywide. And of course, each state puts their own spin on it, but essentially they've added these, this new concept of digital executor to the state law. So it, it will now make it easier. But I'd recommend anybody that has an old power of attorney or will perhaps consider adding this provision to it. Awesome. So if folks wanted to get more information from you and your firm, how would they go about doing that? Well, probably the easiest way is to call me and talk about it. Uh, the second way would be to access my website. It's uh, dougkaniglaw.com uh, slash digital. And that will get you to a page about all these different issues and ways we can resolve them um, through powers of attorney and wills. Yeah, that's dougkaniglaw.com slash digital. Koenig spelled K-O-E-N-I-G. Doug, thank you so much for coming in this evening. Sure. We appreciate having you in. Enjoyed being here. Excellent. Nicole, we are just about out of time here. I want to remind everyone that you can always go online to transitionslifecare.org to find plenty of information about Transitions Life Care, also events that are going on in the community. Any uh, any housekeeping we need to do for Transitions Guiding Lights? Not really for Transitions Guiding Lights, but again, um, we are celebrating our 40th anniversary for Transitions Life Care this year. It's super exciting. Lots of activities going on in the community and internally for our organization and really just... Um, moved by all of the memories that people are sharing about loved ones that have been cared for and um, all the services that we've provided over the years. So it's definitely awesome to be part of an organization such as uh, such as theirs. They are a wonderful organization. Again, transitionslifecare.org is the website. We are out of time for today. I want to thank all of our guests for coming in this evening. And again, if you missed any part of the show or want to hear a repeat, you can go online to WPTF.com and head over to the Aging Matters section. There you can find 
this show, along with every other show that we've done of Aging Matters. It's a great collection there for you to go and listen to on demand at WPTF.com. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.